This is a production of Cornell University. For Cornell University's world-renowned turfgrass program, I'm Frank Rossi. And I'm Carl Scamenti, and this is episode 13 of Turf Talk, brought to you in partnership with our friends at Winfield United. Turf Talk provides just-in-time, science-based recommendations for professional turfgrass managers in the northeastern U.S. Frank, the weather continues to be hot and humid throughout the region, and some would even call it downright offensive. Uh, Perhaps you could expand on that. We are in it now, Carl. Summer stress is underway, and a variety of defensive tactics are being implemented. So how offensive is the weather, you ask? We just ended our second full week of high heat stress conditions, as defined by our forecast website, as an 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. period when the sum of the temperature and relative humidity exceeds 150. On a daily basis, high risk corresponds to eight or more heat stress hours. Low risk days have fewer than four heat stress hours. So we've had 14 straight days when we've touched that off, Carl. Soils are fluctuating somewhat from the high 60s into the high 80s. Root damage and general decline are underway. The moisture gradient persists from north where it's more dry to the south where it's more wet. And is the clutch for the shift from more abiotic stress under warm, dry conditions to more biotic stress from warm and moist conditions. Some relief came over the weekend with a few cooler nights, but overall, most of the last two weeks have been extremely stressful for cool season turf grasses. So it's no rest for the weary, Carl. Warm temps expected to continue. Spotty rainfall not likely to provide much relief to increasingly droughty areas of the upstate New York and New England areas. Right, so with all that stress in the field, of course we're going to see a lot of pest activity. What have, what have people been seeing out there? Well, there's a plethora of pest activity, Carl, from the beginning of the flights and mating season for our white grub population that is foraging around the clover and flower, and that's creating some challenges for our insecticide applications. We also are having reports of stress-induced diseases as we've had in the past with anthracnose and summer patch. And as we mentioned earlier, if you have a lot of moisture in this system, you're likely to get higher conditions for pythium and brown patch, where high humidity and warm temperature will bring on those diseases and make them more lethal. So from a pest management perspective, it's really the time of year when if you are using the EIQ, you tend to use some of your uh, more high higher EIQ products, you reserve them at this time so that you can either, uh, so you can save your turf from uh, catastrophic failure. And we could go through the many other pests you should be looking at, Carl, but there's so many other successes and advice we have to get to. Yeah, let's get straight into the key to success for this week. Uh, What should people be mindful of this week, Frank? So I think the key to this week is to slow down on the mowing and consider rolling to increase the playability of the playing surfaces. Every type of turf can benefit from rolling, Carl, over mowing at this time of year. The research continues to indicate on every type of turf, from lawns and sports fields to putting and fairway and teeing surfaces and golf. There's still going to be need for mowing, but it must be conducted more prudently. Avoid mowing landscapes in the middle of the day, if possible, when temps are above 90, especially if those lawns are under drought stress. Be sure mower blades are sharp and switch up mowing patterns. On sports fields not in use... Raising the mowing height to reduce mowing frequency would be ideal. Remember, though, if sports are going to start in early August again, you'll need a few weeks to get mowing height back down to playing height. So sometimes reducing mowing also has some negative consequences like reduced turf density that will have to be recreated as mowing heights are lowered and frequency increased. Now, for the golf coaks, if you have predominantly creeping bentgrass playing surfaces, especially a modern creeping bentgrass, you are loving this weather. 
Most of the modern creeping bent grasses are very heat tolerant. For the predominantly annual bluegrass surfaces, it's a very different story. These are the times similar to when annual bluegrass is under ice in midwinter. At that time, the discussions on what to do with the ice ensue because we know these are the times when catastrophic failure can occur. Persistent heat stress, Carl, will be lethal to some populations of annual bluegrass, especially if you have lost some turf recently and more of an annual population moves back in. Now, I'm saying all this to help folks understand the importance of not adding stress with mowing. Review Brian Whitlark and John Daniels' article on mower setup and recognize where stress is coming from. Is it the bed knife position, the frequency of clip, the roller type, things not related to mowing height? So, Carl, keys for this week. Pay attention to your mowing. Yeah, good reminder there that uh, keeping track of your mowing, even though it's a basic maintenance practice, uh, will help you to reduce stress during these uh, summer months. Finally, as we move into the sage advice for the week, We've noticed a lot of flowering clover in the area, and with that comes the pollinators. Um, and what you have to realize is when you're applying pesticide products around those pollinators, they are at risk. So what are some ways, Frank, we can reduce the risk to pollinators uh, when we're applying products around those flowers? Well, as I mentioned earlier, the flights and mating season for our white grub population is foraging on the clover and flower. And I'm seeing an important shift in the industry mindset on this issue, Carl. The New York State BMP website, as well as many other fine sources, outline the necessary best management practices for preventing harm to pollinators. Now, in this case, with the flower and clover, the best thing to do is just mow the flowers off before applying grub control products. Follow label information directing the application when the plant may be in bloom and follow all BMPs to avoid impacting pollinators. Inform any nearby beekeepers that you might be doing this if they want to move their hives. Use drift reduction nozzles as a way to reduce, prevent off-site translocation of pesticides or backpack sprayers when possible. Monitor wind to reduce drift. Don't apply when the pollinators are active. Spray at night or early in the morning, late evening when the air is calm. Before applying, scout the area for harmful and beneficial insect populations and use them. Use the pesticides when populations present a damage threshold. Use pesticides that have a lower impact on pollinators, but with insecticides, that's not always easy. And anything that's on that foliage, including fungicides and herbicides, will be problematic. Follow irrigation instructions carefully to ensure pesticides are washed from foliage into soil. In addition, use surfactants to help to reduce the potential for drift. Hey, Carl, a very important, easily overlooked issue that the public is watching. That's why we call it sage advice, defined as wise through reflection and experience. Well, thank you for that sage advice this week, Frank, and thank you to all of our listeners for listening to the 13th episode of our 2018 Turf Talk podcast series, brought to you just in time by Cornell University in partnership with our friends at Winfield United. You can find us online at turf.cows.cornell.edu and on Twitter or Facebook at Cornell Turf. For Turf Talk, I'm Carl Scamenti. And I'm Frank Rossi. Have a great week. This has been a production of Cornell University, on the web at cornell.edu.